Welcome to the internet. Live from the Marriott Library at the University of Utah, this is the Redline Podcast. I'm your host, quote, on-demand disliker, unquote, Dunstan, and these are my co-hosts... Kyle, quote, stop running subsidized Uber, run a real bus, thanks. Uh, Holland and... Alex lives in Logan now, Fielder. Today <laughs> on the Blue Line podcast, we're discussing the imminent death of America's downtowns at the hand of the woke mob. Wait a second. Ah, uh, yes, the woke mob. Hey, your script is here. Oh, uh, you mean the challenges facing some American central cities are nuanced? Shocking. We will talk the current state of American downtown and what can be done to help them after the news. Probably without calling, like, any large group of people or segment of the population a mob. (laughs) Or... That's tough to do these days. Yeah, or we can call everyone a mob. Your mom is a mob. A Minecraft mob. Mob inclusivity? (laughs) I like that. Oh no. The news. <laughs> the news. Okay. Putting on my news voice. Uh, good news for Ottawans today, as the O Train's troubled Line 1 is expected to run to service after about a month of closure. Alstom and OC Transpo officials have stated that a new maintenance regime, as well as changes to guardrails and tight curves, are expected to keep the system safe and operational going forward. Although it's certainly good to see North America's strangest light metro back in action, the question remains as to whether it will stay that way after years of technical and construction troubles. Perhaps someday the O-Train will just work all the time, all the way. Yeah, probably not, but we can be. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least it's not literally on fire. Again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a perk, I guess. Take your poison, fires or tunnel collapses. Or... <laughs> bearings exploding during use and yeah i don't think i could pick no me neither uh news item number two comes from washington dc today where lawmakers from washington state have requested 200 million dollars to begin planning and property acquisition for the long discussed cascadia high-speed rail line which would run from portland to vancouver british columbia uh, whether their request will be granted is yet to be seen, but it's a good step forward for part of the continent known for its commitment to sustainability and public transportation. I'd also like to add that the Washington State Legislature has already allocated $150 million to study this, so they're looking for federal matching, basically. Damn. Actual infrastructure investments? Is Vancouver contributing a similar amount looking into it? I don't think so, and I think that's because, like, 90% of the actual alignment would just be in Washington State, because if you think of the distance, like, Portland and Vancouver are based both both basically on the border of Washington State, so, like, they have to actually build the whole thing. Yeah, that's fair. Hmm. That's fair, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I'd, I'd be interested to see any, like, alignment maps or anything. Uh, that's what they're point. spending $350 million that's, on. That's fair. I think they that I read that it would get them to like 35% engineering in an EIS, which is pretty good. Cool. So that 35% is enough for an EIS? Yeah. Cool. Well, it's very well, good that they're starting on this now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I would love to see more high-speed rail. And that's a really good corridor for it, too. Yeah. So this has been the news. Okay, so 
Almost every aspect of American life was hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic and its accompanying closures, but no part of our cities were hit harder than downtowns. Even today, more than three years after the onset of the plague, pause for laughter, Haha. <laughs> most American central cities have not rebounded to the level of traffic that they saw before the pandemic, and more alarmingly, many no longer appear to be on an upwards trajectory, and look as though activity therein may be permanently depressed, which is um, bad. Yeah, we live in a society, and we should probably continue doing so. Alex, in your opinion, has Logan's downtown gotten better or worse since COVID-19? Um, well, I, I didn't see it before <laughs> COVID-19, but um, I would say it's probably about the same, to be honest. Well, I mean, to be fair, there probably wasn't ever just enormous amounts of foot traffic in Logan downtown. No, no, I, I highly doubt it, and... I don't think there's that many jobs compared to Salt Lake's downtown, just in case of area. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, vacancy rates are up across the board. As much as 25% of office space is vacant in places like downtown San Francisco and Houston. Uh, Take that, Texas narrative people. And (laughs) occupancy... (laughs) Oh, everyone's moving to Texas because it's so much better than California. Because it's in a different si- different part of the California life cycle, yeah. Have a... <laughs> ha- has the exact same problems, but different. Yeah, insert entire episode about um, housing here. <laughs> One day. I don't yeah. want to get into that, though, because that's just a really good way to get canceled. Yeah. You told me there was a rebound, though, in the San Francisco office market. Yeah, there's been, like, a 10% demand rebound, which is good. Cool. Uh, once again, we live in a society. We should probably continue doing so for a wide variety of reasons. I disagree. The, uh, the, I, I agree. <laughs> the, the societal revolution and its consequences <laughs> were a disaster for humanity. <laughs> Have you had enough society for one day? I've had enough society. Yeah, what, return (laughs) to um, um, fish or something? Anarchism, that's the answer. Yeah, that was definitely (laughs) definitely part of human Backyard insulin, okay? I'm telling you, it'll be great. (laughs) Kyle seems skeptical. I'm trying to think of something that we could return to that's not society, and I'm drawing a complete blank. Hunter-gatherer, except we all live alone. Oh, also known as dying. Yes. <laughs> maybe um, we need society? Question mark. Yeah, maybe. I know. I'm going to go with the voluntary human extinction people at like the World Institute of whatever. Oh, great. The are you like a, are always freaking out? Are about. you a like depopulation person now? Yeah, I'm a degrowther. <laughs> Yeah, Salt Lake Valley is full. We couldn't fit any more people (laughs) here. Let's make the people go away, as long as I get to stay here. Yes. I'm not people. True. Uh, Okay, and then I got to briefly explain. uh, I'm going to say another statistic, but it's going to sound like the same statistic, but different. Uh, Occupancy rates in major metros have barely crossed 50% of the pre-pandemic norm. Now, vacancy rate is the amount of office space that is not actively being rented out. 
occupancy rates is the amount of office that is rented out that is being used. If that、uh, makes sense. Yeah, that makes、mm. sense. Like if you have a two-story office building and so many people are like working from home or had gotten laid off, that you're only using the bottom floor now. Yes, exactly. That's a brilliant way to explain it. Yeah, jeez.、Uh, some cities, however, have bucked the trend and emerged as national leaders. Today, we will look at the state of American downtown, what might be done to help, and most importantly, in the eyes of this podcast, how this has affected our beloved public transportation. Makes sense. Transportation yeah, have, is pretty good when people are close together. And we have、yeah. to tie it back to our thing. It is our. It's, it's not, our shtick. It's not an episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so background, as as my bullet point says,、uh, American downtowns, unlike central city districts and other parts of the world, are primarily composed of office space. In some particularly office-heavy downtowns, I should say,、uh, more than seventy percent of the total square footage available in the city center. Besides parking, is office space. Good goodness! This kind of presents a problem when something happens that suddenly makes not working in the office one of the highest priorities in everybody's lives. I wonder what that yeah, could that, have been. And that's a very high percentage, seventy percent. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then course, everything else relies on that. Seventy percent. Essentially. Essentially.、Yeah. Like、um, downtown restaurant scene is just drifting off of people on lunch break. Yes, I mean, seriously, it's downtown America has been built a very specific way to try and draw in wealth from the suburbs、mm. because of like everyone wants to kind of act as though like you know this was a bad idea, but this was actually a really good strategy to kind of extract some wealth from the suburbs who had left, and you know. Left the central cities with basically no tax base, so this was done very intentionally as a way to like make sure that the tax had... base at least visits for a third of the time. Well, yeah, and I mean, you know, injects money into local businesses as well. So yeah, but it turns out you don't need just one solution to having a tax base. You need many. They need to be diversified. Well, yes, but when this this strategy was undertaken, it was the only reasonable way to do it. Like you couldn't have built large-scale downtown residential in the '70s because ah, crime.、Ooh. It was a different <laughs> time. The markets were different. Yeah. Whatever. So it was a good idea, but as it turns out, when the pandemic hit, these places be- immediately became deserted, and everyone was working from home. But unlike other aspects of American and social economic life, downtown has never returned to normal. Most places. Yeah, there's been. Partially a long-term work t- work from home shift, or at least a medium-term work from home shift. We'll see how that plays out, which accounts for a lot of office vacancy and any other factors. No, that's mostly it. Yeah, okay, fair. <laughs> um, if if you listen to kind of reactionary ghouls, uh, it's crime and homelessness. But sure, cities. <laughs> w- <laughs> um, I'm gonna. Have trouble breaking it to people that cities with a lot lower levels of crime than Chicago are doing a lot worse, and cities with a lot、um, higher levels of homelessness than or lower levels than of homelessness than Salt Lake City are doing a lot worse. So yeah, that's not really an indicator, and does not really oppose a, a much of a problem for commuting to your office job in the financial district. Yeah, well, if you had. 
more people come into downtown, the crime would be proportionally less. So <laughs> yep. maybe we can solve it that way. That's Simply actually a valid strategy, especially throw, on throw bodies, Throw bodies at the problem. Yeah, I, I like that solution. <laughs> Anyways, but that's not really a valid argument. Um, no, go outside I mean, before trying to make points like that. I'm sure it is a factor, but the primary factor remains yeah. office, be empty. And yeah. if it's a factor, it's probably more of a factor for everything except commuting to your office job in the financial district. That aspect. is probably actually a reasonable conclusion. Yeah. Um, so as it turns out, people did not enjoy their soul-crushing two-hour commutes from the exurbs and would rather work from home. This is true. Oh, that's another that's another reason America specifically is so bad for this, because the way we well, we'll get into that. architected our city is... Yes. Uh, even more interestingly, places that did return to the office were... Uh, people were downtown for less time than they were before because of hybrid work schedules. Uh, most people who are in the office these days are there for like three days a week or four days a week, not a full five days a week. As you can see, there's a lot of, and as many people who work in offices would know, there is a lot of pressure to not do the really pissy commute. Yeah. Whereas, whereas on the other hand, if you look at like the University of Utah, for many students, the costs of going to the campus are lower than the costs of, like, the time and effort and money costs are, are lower compared to, like, the costs of doing these 45-minute hour-long commutes, and the benefits are much higher. Whereas in the office situation, lower benefits, higher costs. Well, you, you just can't blame people. It makes sense why you wouldn't want to go back, especially if you hate your job. Yeah, people's situations are an, are an artifact of, like, decades of housing policy. Yeah. Uh, also, um, you know, when you're driving two hours per direction from, like... Because this was a pretty, like, surprisingly common commute. You're driving, like, two hours from Stockton to San Francisco or whatever. Uh, That's just a nightmare. Yeah. Like, super commuting should not exist. But it did. Uh, and this causes a number of so this all this nonsense causes a number of problems for cities, which I will outline here. Number one, uh, actual downtown businesses like restaurants, shops, and other such amenities largely re rely on the high levels of traffic from office workers to sustain themselves in areas with a much higher cost of doing business. Downtown is expensive; you need a lot more traffic to keep a business open. Yeah, and that again comes back to how downtown offices were a solution to bringing in people to come spend money. Yeah. And after that worked, we kind of just rolled with it. Didn't True. worry about it too much. Um, also, fewer people using public transportation. BART provides a particularly poignant case. Uh, before the pandemic, nearly 200,000 people entered and exited BART in its four stations in downtown San Francisco every day. When that traffic died up, or dried up, BART was left on shaky financial legs. Uh, they only carry about 60,000 people to downtown San Francisco stations these days. Oof, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's like a third. Yeah. That's a huge drop. I believe out. they're at 42% of pre-pandemic ridership still. Oof. And Caltrain and a lot of other commuter rail agencies are even worse. Turns so. out mass transit works better the more people ride it. Same as <laughs> these restaurants work better the more people come ride eat at them. them. Sure. The, the ride either subway. Yes. <laughs> um, 
And then public safety. So for all the talk about public safety being the cause of there not being people downtown, it actually may be the effect. Uh, because there are so many less people on downtown streets these days, they are just less likely to feel like a safe place to be. Yeah. Period. Yeah. It, it's the same with being on transit. Exactly. Exactly. It's the same with just everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, safety I don't know numbers. If- if I've ever been more terrified than just, like, walking alone through the suburbs at night because there's just no one around and I'm just like, oh, great. If someone, like, does a Ted Bundy van to me, then I am dead. <laughs> Contrast that to, like, all two parts of Salt Lake that have a nightlife at, like, 11 or 12. And you can walk around and legitimately enjoy walking around because there's lots of people. There's lots of stuff going on, maybe even some music. Yeah, for for me, it's like a it's like a U shaped curve. It's like no people, I feel safe. Then very like few people, I'm like, okay, this is scary. Then you get to the other side, and you're like, oh, there's a ton of people. I feel safe again. It's yeah, like, I totally I totally agree. <laughs> the like Alec, the fielder curve. Yeah, 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 the fielder curve of perceived safety. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an academic paper. We should write that. We should write that. Uh, we should we should start a, uh, a, a, a a think tank and write um, poorly grounded pro living in a society research. We could call it McKinsey. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Alex got that. McKinsey oh. is a very ghoulish consulting firm that's known for being a ghoulish consulting firm. Gotcha. Yeah. They're, they're pretty evil. <laughs> yeah. Pete Buttigieg worked there, if it's any um, <laughs> any indicator. Not saying any, not implying anything about our lovely sec trans, but... Yeah. yeah. All right, so having more people just out and about is good for just about everything. Yeah, and not having that is bad. For just about everything. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the oh I gotta pull this up hold on. Um, so the University of Toronto School of Cities has been doing a really cool research study on this where they use cell phone data uh, to compare the number of people in downtowns now to before the pandemic. Oh, like cell towers. Yeah, so, like, however many pings they're getting from people's cell phones, the cell towers, versus how many pings they were getting before the pandemic. And they've aggregated that to figure out how many people are in certain uh, areas that they define as downtown based on zip codes. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I like that. That's clever. I think the data collection method is pretty clever, at least. Uh, There are some issues... Uh, so actually, Kyle is seeming a little reserved about this, and he is correct. There are a couple issues. Notably, uh, the districts that they are defining as downtown for a lot of cities are not exactly perfect. Uh, Portland, for example, is very bad and only includes, like, you remember that, like, very CBD area we walked through? Yeah. Where, like, the Portland building was with the big, like, statue guy and there was no one around? Yeah. That is what is defined as downtown in this study, not including like the Pearl District or any of the places that we saw out of foot traffic. So there are some issues, but overall it's quite an interesting study. Cool. So uh, oh. let's go through the, the top 10. Top 10. Uh, no, at number 10, is the largest city on this list, actually, San Diego, California. 88% of pre pandemic traffic downtown. Dang. Hmm. Uh, is actually reflected. Yeah, it's very good. 
it's actually reflected in their transit ridership as well, which is one of the most recovered in the country. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, number nine, Vice City, Las Vegas, also 88%. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. Good yeah. for them. Look, after the pandemic, <laughs> what you really want to do is go gamble and then see a stripper. That's what that, yes. What, yep. what else are you supposed to do with a stimulus check? Drink. <laughs> <laughs> quote every Republican, unquote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, number eight, Honolulu, Hawaii. Cool. Yeah, I don't know why that one. I you can't do anything else though, really. (laughs) (laughs) You kind of have to go back downtown. Go or go walk up the mountain or whatever. Uh, number seven, (laughs) Columbus, Ohio. So you know, at eighty nine percent, there are like all five people that were downtown in Columbus, Ohio before the pandemic are now in Columbus, Ohio again. So good for them. I hope they're like (laughs) playing poker or something. Columbus, Ohio? Yeah, all eight people playing poker. Oh, yeah, they're playing poker. Uh, Number six is Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, which we all know that they're cooking meth. Yeah, go ABQ. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jacksonville, Florida, they're riding the Skyway or something, I guess. All right, all right. Mm. Uh, They're at 93%, and so is Albuquerque. Cool. Uh, now we get to the four cities in the entirety of North America that are doing better than before the pandemic. El Paso, Texas. El Paso, Texas, uh, at 107%. Fresno, California. What, because everybody's moving there because they can't afford anywhere else? Yeah. And, and that's probably also <laughs> true of Fresno, is that everyone's moving there from the Bay Area because they can't afford to live there anymore. And this is why CAHSR is going in the Central Valley. Uh, and number two is Bakersfield, California. Probably a, for the same reason. Yes. At yeah. 128%. Finish. <laughs> Jeez. And, uh, number, and one. number one is Salt Lake City at 138%. Woohoo. We're finally number one on the list. We're number one. We're That's number a big one. Deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what do all these what do all these cities that have good numbers, at least according to this study, have in common? Uh, so cities with short commute times, a large number of car commuters, and like exceptionally high numbers of car commuters, I should say, and uh, less dense with you mean a long... newer pattern of residential. You mean long commutes? Those are cities that are doing well. Cities oh. with short commutes are doing well. Cities with... Okay. Lots of car commuters. Lots of car commuters are doing well. Interesting. And cities with um, less density downtown are doing well that are more specialized towards uh, entertainment rather than high densities of offices. Would you describe Salt Lake like that? Yes. Yeah? I, I mean, Salt if, Lake would be more office heavy. If you think about what is downtown... People, like, we have maybe 20,000 downtown office jobs. Like, there are not a ton, but there are a lot of things like City Creek. There's the Gateway. There's a lot of music venues. There's the arena. There's a plentitude of theaters and restaurants. and Lots of white people things. Even a movie theater. And the temple. And and the religious factor is actually a significant contributor, probably. Probably, yeah. So there's just a lot of non-office attractions downtown. 
that are disproportionate to the amount of office activity that was going on even before the pandemic. And the city has also actively done a good job of doubling down on all of this everything but office jobs stuff. Well, and the office jobs that are there, it's like the big law firms, right? That kind of have to have an office presence. Well, and another factor that we have to take into account is that in smaller metropolitan areas, with the exception of Portland, um, office workers are mostly back in the office because in smaller metros, they, uh, employers have more leverage over Because it's over not as easy employees. to just go pick up and get a different job. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. So, uh, and now we get to talk about the bottom 10, which is more depressing. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, what is 10th from the bottom? I'm not doing 10th. From, oh, I'll do it backwards. Uh, Montreal, Quebec. Once again, office-heavy, very dense, very old downtown. 11th from the bottom. And then 10th from the bottom is Philadelphia. Rip. Yeah, figures. All, all their jobs going and hiding in the suburbs. Uh, number 54, or I should say 9th from the bottom, is Vancouver, British Columbia, 46%. Uh, number... Eight from the bottom, Seattle, 46% as well. Louisville, 46%. Raleigh, North Carolina, 44%. Toronto, Ontario, quite surprisingly. Interesting. Uh, 42%. Indianapolis, not surprising, 41%. Minneapolis, a little bit surprising given that they've been growing pretty rapidly even post-pandemic. Yeah. But that could be mostly because their downtown activity is clustered in the skyways rather than on the streets. Ah. So, uh, and then uh, the final two, which everyone loves to talk about in the media, are Portland, Oregon, and San Francisco, California. Okay, so why do Portland and San Francisco have problems? I can see San Francisco as being obviously obscenely expensive. Horrible commute times. So people are moving or already live far from San Francisco because they can't afford a short commute. Horrible commute times and extremely office dense. And it should be noted, office dense in industries that were particularly vulnerable to the pandemic. What is uh, San Francisco known as a world center of? Tech. IT. So maybe this is only partly the fault of San Francisco's city problems, mm. like, you know, cost of living. And more so, they just got unlucky in choosing an industry well, that just ran away. Let's put it this way. New York City, which is the closest um, analog in both terms of cost and how horrible your commute's going to be, <laughs> is at 75% because they weren't as tech heavy. So Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Well, tech jobs would be the most likely to stay online anyway, wouldn't they? Yeah, and, and they've proven to be the most likely to stay online as well. Yeah. Although what's interesting is that San Francisco has retained its status as a tech center because a lot of that renewed office energy that we're talking about earlier, that 10% boost in office uh, demand recently, is because of AI. Ooh. Mm. We'll see how long that one lasts. Yeah, we'll see. Next bubble. Always got to have more bubbles. So I guess the question remains then, what is to be done um, give people something to go, a reason to go downtown, because, like, the number of people who 
live in and directly around downtown compared to the number of people in the metro area is relatively low. It's generally expensive, and depending on the city, housing stock is often quite limited. Maybe allow people to live in downtown more easily instead of just having office. Maybe people actually want to live downtown. Wow, that this is why. Yeah, that's a very important. Both of those are very good ideas.、Uh, so the 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 recommendations that the University of Toronto study that that also has the rankings has given is number one: attract industries that need to be in person. Downtowns with higher concentrations of research jobs, medical industry centers, and government institutions have fared better.、Uh, cities should be also bringing their own people back downtown. Most cities have their main offices downtown, and a lot of them are still、uh, working from home. A notable example of that is Portland, which has basically no one in its massive downtown offices. Great. Okay, so that's that's the jobs part of thing. Right.、Uh, number. To make downtowns for people, although the downtowns that have recovered the best are largely of the sort that is easiest to get to by car, cities that haven't recovered very well are unlikely to be able to replicate that ease of access. Nor should they try.、Uh, instead, they need to focus on creating downtowns that cater to people, both those that live there and those who might like to visit. That means pedestrian spaces, a variety of shops and restaurants, cultural and civic amenities, and proactive safety measures. Yeah, we don't really want the ye olde、um, downtown turns into a ghost town at night concept, where you drive an hour, park, do your job, go on lunch break, maybe go to a concert once a month, and then drive home. You want to make downtown an attraction and a nice、It's、place a to be in and of itself. It's a twenty-four-seven neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and on the note of proactive safety measures, we are no, by no means denying that there are safety issues in many downtowns. At this time,、uh, but it is not Fox News. Don't listen to them, or like it's not that bad. I've been to. They love to. They love to harp on San Francisco and Portland in particular. I see that on the news every night. Portland hellscape. You know, San Francisco dying. Doom loop. Doom loop. Doom loop. Doom loop. Doom loop. <laughs> Please go outside before making these changes. Maybe consider going there for a little while. Like I spent a long time in both of those downtowns the last time I was there, and it wasn't perfect, but it was mostly fine. Support the tourism well, economy too. And I went downtown in Salt Lake the other week to look for my bike. I ran into a whole bunch of homeless people who were more than happy to help me and ask around and find the bike. Like, and you're you're think... already out going and seeking out the traditionally <laughs>、yeah. sketchy the, the places town,、yeah. in our big dangerous city, <laughs> and、yeah. you're having and a decent experience. I, I won't deny. Sure, it was sketchy, but the people were nice. It's not. It wasn't. You're, you're not actively <laughs> in danger. It's not as bad as everyone makes it out to be. Is I guess the point we're trying to make here, although.、Yeah. Like once again, not denying that there are public safety issues. There yeah, are, which there, there definitely just are. Just probably not not the ones that are being harped on. But、yeah. but if you hear that about downtowns, go downtown and judge See that for yourself. yourself. Yeah, that is probably the best method. Yeah, like I don't know. You gotta don't trust the news on that sort of thing. Just、yeah. go and <laughs> go and look. Yeah, new, you can you can trust the news when they're reporting. 
facts and numbers and have other people to catch them when they say the wrong number sometimes. And I don't know, maybe avoid the part of towns that people tell you to avoid. That's generally a good idea. Yeah, that's good advice <laughs> anywhere. Every city and metro area has, has a couple has of that sketchy spot. spots. Yeah, like, you know, uh, you go to my hometown, everyone's going to be like, mm, you got to be careful in Caldwell. Uh. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, also... You can, in fact, convert other uses into different uses if the city lets you, which is why uh, some older office spaces, especially of the Class B and C varieties, which are older and worse offices mostly, Mm. are being converted into residential. We actually have quite a prominent project um, here in Salt Lake City of that with that weird white tower with the square windows on, uh, is that second? That's South Temple. Yeah, South Temple. Thank you. Yeah, cool. Uh, and this is very quickly ramping up in a lot of cities that are trying to bring down downtown stock but are already built up. Yieldy loft apartment or whatever. Except, yeah. It <laughs> uh, should be noted that this is hard, expensive, and often yields bad units, but it's probably better to do it than to not do it Um but maybe just build on your parking lots before you bother with this. Yeah, so we're not going to prescribe a specific solution for getting more residential in and around your downtown areas. Just do just more do residential. Just do it and do it quickly. Whatever makes economic sense. Stop making red tape. Make everything yeah. permissive zoning. It's easier to just build it the way it should be the first time <laughs> instead of retrofitting it. But yeah, if it's done right, go for it. And I guess this varies a lot by locale, too. Like, Salt Lake's best strategy is to build new build towers parking on lots, parking lots. Which we have many of, versus downtown San Francisco, which has no parking lots. Whereas where, whereas there, yeah, office conversions to build might office be a lot more economical. Yeah. So in denser downtowns, you're going to have to do office conversions, but in younger and... Uh, parking-ridden downtowns, you can, <laughs> you, can, you can build residential a bit easier. Yeah, so more residential good, especially in this housing market. If you build housing anywhere, you'll make money. In this economy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The main point is that strategies for downtown recovery can't be gimmicks or one-time large events. There has to be continuous strategy of making our downtowns more like the places that have shrugged the pandemic off. Uh, Year-round cycles of events can help, though, and that's one of the reasons why downtown Salt Lake City has fared so well. So when I say places that have shrugged the pandemic off, I am, of course, referring to Europe, the Europe. That's that's the (laughs) Europe in French, Uh, where you will notice that uh, large cities like Paris, which is, you know, basically the European equivalent of New York City. Sure, yeah has 120% of downtown activity. Madrid has 130%. Barcelona, 140%. Rome, I would say Barcelona is the Portland of Europe. Uh, <laughs> Rome, 179%. Berlin, 192%. Even, you know, smaller cities like Birmingham are at 75%. Uh, you know, so so Europe has largely just kind of shrugged it off in the city center and people are more downtown than they ever were before. So, you know, to make our downtowns work, maybe we should make it like the places where it didn't die after the pandemic. Japan, Europe, China, wherever else. That is an excellent idea. Yeah, maybe uh, our American exceptionalism 
maybe we should uh, think about that a bit more and maybe take notes from someone else. Dial it back a few notches. Uh. So, downtown's for people, not just for suburban commuters. And who don't are, who are people too? No, they're not. <laughs> who are people too? <laughs> and we want to make it easy that for them to experience all of society, even though their housing situation puts them at a disadvantage. Yeah. Uh, closing note: Don't fall for the death of downtown narrative being pushed all over by the sensational media. Uh, the press has been crying about the death of downtown since the beginning of suburbanization, and it's always found a way to adapt. So work to build a more resilient downtown for your city and believe that a better future is possible. Once again, we live in a society. I think we should probably continue to do so instead of living in a whole bunch of bubbles that use way too much They water. want you to live in the pods, quotes, uh, parentheses, <laughs> suburban houses, close parentheses, <laughs> and eat the bugs. Parentheses, shrimp, close parentheses. <laughs> so, that's all I got. You guys have anything else you want to talk about? Go outside. Go it's, to your downtown. I don't care how. Downtown. They're all cool, mostly. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I haven't been to a downtown that I haven't enjoyed at least a little bit yet. They mostly so. just vary in scale. Like, is it two blocks of cool or is it like square miles of cool? Yeah. <clears throat> New York. Yeah. <clears throat> Even Logan is cool. Maybe that's the takeaway. Downtown Ogden. Like, I've never been to a downtown that I have actively disliked with the exception of Denver. <laughs> <laughs> but Valid. I just have a generalized dislike for Denver. So, you know. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. So, yeah, go downtown, get some food, go to the mall. It's fun. It's fine. I live downtown. It's great. It is great. And advocate for housing that anybody can actually afford. Or, for that matter, any housing, because more housing. Well, somebody can afford any housing. Yeah. So, like, you know, at least someone can live there. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then you know. I'm not going to say that downtown is the best place to try and do affordable housing because of land costs. It's the best place to do Housing and also near downtown, inner neighborhoods. That is true. Random old industrial wasteland. Put housing, housing, housing. Also next to transit. Oh, and when you go downtown, take the train. Yes, please. There, there's something for everyone in downtown. And what one of the nice things about Salt Lake is they they do seem to be trying to evolve downtown a bit, especially with that Green Loop project they were doing. Oh, I love the um, Green Loop. <laughs> Long live if they blue. could just make that happen faster like, for real now, um, that'd but be they got to do paperwork. Yeah. Oh, they, see, they do have to do paperwork. We couldn't just grab a few trees and a few shovels and <laughs> maybe just go rogue. But <laughs> go rogue, dig up the middle of the street and put yeah, in some trees. I'm gonna do kill those, but for the gloop. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, okay. Honestly, so might save more lives. It might. I was considering doing that on State Street the other day when they uncovered the trolley tracks. <laughs> <sighs> I know. It's sad. So many trolley tracks. should have just kept them. I know. Somebody was suggesting that we should have put tracks on State Street instead of um, on the corridor that it's on, and I was about to lose my mind, though. 
Yeah. Well, that that would be a, a that would be a bad idea. You've seen how much of a mess Fourth South is. Would you like to go two everywhere. miles an hour all the way to Draper? Does that sound fun to you? Yeah. Uh, no, it does not. So, okay, so that's the episode. Uh, before we go, favorite thing to visit downtown, speed round, me. Um, Santo Taco, corner of 4th and State. They have really good street tacos, and there's a weird little fun cheesecake store like a block from there that you can go to. Um, one of our several really old, comically long, and comically overstuffed bookstores. Yeah, uh, Salt Lake... Book Salt Lake magazine. Book and Magazine, yeah. Ken Sanders. That's Ken uh, Sanders. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ken Sanders is moving over by the Leonardo, though. Uh, yeah. It's taken him a while, though. He said he was going to do it forever ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll is see. this, his, is this uh, yeah. his idea, or does he have a landlord that's pushing it? I don't know. All right. I think it's the landlord, but of course it is. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's probably a good thing for that stretch of Second East to be redeveloped. I mean, on the other hand, you could just put a comically tall building right next to Ken Sanders on the empty lot. Well, they did, across the street. Well, put another one on the same side of the street. There's an empty lot right there. Uh, Maybe yeah. they can do a cantilever building and have it take up the <laughs> air lights above That Ken would Sanders. actually be a, a pretty decent That'd idea. Be funny. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a huge fan of the buildings that where the like first floor is behind the bulk of the oh, building. Yeah. <laughs> You guys have bad architecture takes today. But it's so much fun to walk in. Eh. Yeah, bugger off. Cantilever yeah. building over Ken Sanders. Okay, and, and uh, Alex, your favorite thing to visit? Uh, well, definitely Ken Sanders. Uh, the f- burger place we went downtown. Ooh, Riches. Oh, we met OM Transit. That, <laughs> that was really good. Yeah, that's... Um, uh, but... That, the the shows are also just really good down there. The theaters are amazing. Oh my goodness, um, there's so many. I you, know. you can't go wrong downtown. Even even fashion, well, not fashion place. Even City Creek is nice. City Creek is very nice for a downtown yes, mall, as I've discovered. Like a lot of downtown malls just suck, and City Creek rules. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So that's it. Go visit downtown. Uh, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe, and to leave us a rating on iTunes and Spotify. If you like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, exclusive content almost every month, and occasional merch drops, including, for our frontrunner supporters in the near future, pieces of Salt Lake City Railroad history in the form of uh, sticks that I carved off from streetcar ties at 9th and 9th. Woohoo! They will be epoxied, <laughs> so it'll be cool. Oh, other thing I love visiting downtown, uh, Memory Grove and City Creek. <gasps> yeah, downtown, downtown Salt Lake City has some of the mm. best nature in the all of the valley. The downtown parks are really good. Yeah. But they blow all of the other parks in the whole valley out of the water, except, except maybe Dimpledale. Yeah. I like Dimpledale. Well, I said they blow all of the other parks out of the water, except maybe Dimpledale. Well, and not to mention the <gasps> oh. farmer's market. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the farmer's yeah. market is great. That's... Parks are cool when you host events in them. Like, if you're scared of going to downtown... Um, Farmer's Market is a great introduction. It is an excellent introduction. And go with a friend, because then if... Friends are great. (laughs) (laughs) No further comment. Yeah. Because then if you're nervous, you can cling to them. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Or something, I don't know. Or something. What what does one do with friends? I wouldn't know. I don't have any. Oh, my ass. (laughs)
<laughs> Kyle says being my friend. Yeah. Alex says being my friend. You should also be offended, Alex. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll friend you. Oh, no. Got me. I did. Okay, so do I go first? Yeah, you want to do front runner? I'll do front runner. Uh, $69.69 per month. Uh, double track, super duper electrified, uh, 90 mile an hour base tunnel to Logan front runner tier. We have Zach Adams and generic GT who pledges $35 a month. At regular front runner tier, we have Curtis Herring, Devin Zander, Mike Christensen, and Phobos 2390. At our redline tier, $5 a month, we have Brian Smith, Christopher Whaley, DJ. Hi, Will. Watkins, Eliza Kensler, uh, Jacob Whitecotton, Jesse Mayo, Reluctant LA Resident, Robert P. Walsh, and Scott Harris. Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, at our blue line tier, $3, we have Alex Dykelski, oh. Ben Busath, Bradley Bondi, Ethan McDonald, Evelyn, G4, Gonza12, Jack Dean, John Heron Gorman, Martin Hacker Martinez, Matt Gray, Seth, and Zach Fristat. And in our final grind tier, we have Cap Hill. Grinding in the moonlight. Thank you all for being our patrons. And um, yeah. in exciting Redline future stuff, we'll have an OGX uh, explainer slash vlog video out pretty soon since it's open now. Uh, I'm doing a video on... Uh, this is a longer-term project, so don't get too excited about this one. I'm doing a video about how uh, suburbanization changed the nature of American Christianity. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's my future plans. Metro coming summer of 2027. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> um, well... It certainly changed the nature of church building architecture. Oh, well, that is certainly one of the ways yeah, in which it changed here. <laughs> so that's that's all I got. Thanks for listening. Yeah. yeah you got anything you. else, Alex? Um, oh, oh I, have, I have something to plug. What are we plugging? I'm on a new podcast. It's called oh boy. Daughters of Ferrix. It'll be coming out as of recording tomorrow. Uh, it's Star Wars and politics, two things that I like. So listen to that. Nerd. How long's the first episode? <laughs> Five hours. Uh, it's gonna be like an hour and fifteen. So nice. My friend is Sweet. very talented at editing. That's good. Nerd. Well, yeah, I have nothing to plug. So okay, follow us on Twitter. Bye. Not gonna plug the concept of Logan or anything. <laughs> Maybe <Not>. later. <laughs> Unplug the mountain. Yeah.